This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I'm Matt Fonslow, and tonight I get to welcome back a good friend and friend of the podcast, podcast regular, podcast. He's probably just going to take over, probably be better. Tanner Brandt, owner of Autodiag Clinic. He has some stuff he wants to talk about concerning internet and shops, hotspots, stuff like that. But before we get rolling here, let me just thank our sponsor, Napa Autotech Training. Napa Autotech offers three-hour virtual technical classes that can be accessed from the comfort of your home. To find out what courses are available, go to NapaAutotech.com and click on the Napa Autotech class calendar link. Well, welcome back, sir. Thank you for taking the time to hop on with me for a little bit here. And I'm kind of interested to hear what you have to say about shop internet, because I guess I can't even imagine functioning without it. Like if our internet goes down, it's close to just lock the doors and go home. So it's an interesting thing. What came up this week that made me want to talk about it is Autel announced they were the first one that were going to require a login on the tool when you were going to scan anything or certain functions on certain tools, I guess I should say. It's not on every tool, certain functions and certain tools. And a lot of people don't know the background of like why this was enacted. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that and then talk about, I guess, like the main thing that people have had problems with. I was just completely shocked by. So we'll talk about that too. But what's going on with the tools and why it was brought up is there was a lot of tools being stolen, certain tools being stolen over others and certain parties of people being targeted over others. So equipment tool institute, the OEMs, the aftermarket scan tool companies, the NASDAQ all started a conversation more or less about how to combat this. And one of the ideas that was brought up was creating a login to the tool that's up to the discretion of the scan tool companies to enact that or how they want to enact that. So nobody's like forcing them of how they have to do it at this point. So at any rate, that was announced at one of the NASDAQ meetings in March that should be coming up posted online, I believe. So at any rate, that's what's going on. And that was what prompted it. So Autel was the first one that seemed to have jumped on it. Everybody was kind of shocked and wondering why all of a sudden there was a need to log in. It was on the Autel IM series tools. So that is why it's not going to be just an Autel thing. Eventually, it's I would assume that we'll see many more scan tool manufacturers and other scan tools require it or make that decision. I'd seen some stuff online about it. Some people had implied that it was maybe just a accidental software bug that Autel in an update accidentally enabled and we're talking about disabling and others are responding like, no, no, this is the new normal. You have to be hooked up to the internet to use the tool. I didn't go digging into it at all. But there's already car manufacturers that we need to be hooked up to the internet to bypass the secure gateway or gain access, at least. This is something different or a little bit more? I guess a little bit more. And the secure gateway function uh, in particular is something I'm curious to see. This That was something that I brought up during, I guess, the talks of all this is how is it going to look when you log into a tool and then log into a secure gateway? Are you going to log in twice or how is it going to be? And that's, uh, to my knowledge, not decided on yet. And again, it's up to the scan tool manufacturer of how they do it. So that could certainly change, I guess, or be different per scan tool company. But the idea behind this and the idea of what Autel is doing at this point is trying to make sure that the tools aren't open so that if somebody takes the tool that they can't immediately use it, that there's some type of login so that they A, know that you know, who's logging into the tool, but B, so that the tool is less likely to be taken or any of your data being taken off of it. I guess the interesting thing to me to think about is that it's an Android tablet. So for years, all of our phones, whether it be an Apple phone or an Android phone, have had some type of lock screen on it. None of our tools have. So if you're somebody that is using that tool and your, let's say, service information login is on it or your shop management login is automated and the tool's not locked, realistically, if somebody steals the tool, they also have access to all of that data as well and all your customer data and things like that. So the fact that none of the tools that ever used any type of lock screen was kind of a 
I guess, interesting thing to think about. So I, my understanding, I haven't uh, looked at it yet myself, but Autel has enabled the lock screen on the device and then is having them log in with their Autel ID so that a pa- it's basically a password protected login at this point to the IM series tool. But the interesting thing to me was that what seemed to upset everybody so much about this was just the fact that they had to be connected to internet, not the fact that they had to log in. That didn't bother anybody because I think we're all used to that on our normal phone, whether we're putting in a passcode or it's looking at facial recognition or whatever, we're all used to that. But I guess the idea behind having to have internet, that shocked me that that's what people were upset about thinking about, like you brought up the secure gateway. So any Chrysler from 2017 to current has a secure gateway and you had to be logged into the internet or you had to have access to the internet and then log in with auto auth credentials and the tool had to be up to date. So you couldn't access the secure gateway if the tool was behind on updates and you didn't have internet. So we already had to be connected to the internet plus the tools that we're talking about from Autel that now have a login had to be connected to the internet for several services anyways for pin generation or i shouldn't say generation pin calculation or various functions that it would say that it needed to be connected to the internet now it's not on the like 909 or 919 tablet and stuff like that but those tools have to be connected to the internet for topology to work correctly now sometimes it will work when it's not connected to the internet but it's supposed to be connected to the internet in order for it to check the topology if an update is made to topology it's supposed to access the internet from what i was told while you and i did testing on it that was what i was told the whole time is make sure that it was connected so i guess interesting thought to me that people are i guess a not connected to the internet currently or don't have a way to connect to the internet the backlash seemed to be from shops saying you know i'm in a rural area what am i supposed to do if the guys are in the parking lot and i brought up a hotspot, and they're like well what if we don't have phone service and you know just different things and i got thinking to myself i have an 80 mile territory from where i live and i go from the city to the middle of nowhere in the mountains where there is zero cell service and i'm on a hotspot all day every day if i don't have cell service the shop has to have internet that reaches somewhere for me to program the car. So I guess to me, like it's weird thinking about what are they doing currently? Do you not have a good internet at the shop at all? What are you doing for service information? What are you doing for shop management system? Obviously, probably not programming cars at this point if they don't have internet, but that's going to be a needed thing. Or even if they're not programming it themselves, say they want to use, because we're specifically talking about Autel, I guess at this point, if they want to use remote expert, that takes really, really good internet. Possibly even, you know, obviously we've, or I should say, I shouldn't say we, but they turned off needing ethernet for remote expert. At first you were going to need ethernet. So not only would you have needed internet, but you would have needed ethernet access. So just kind of shocking to me, I guess, that that seems to be the hill that everyone's choosing to die on is that I can't believe my tool has to be connected to internet. So I don't know. What are your thoughts, I guess, on a shop not having good internet access? I'm just trying to think of any shops I know of that don't have internet or have, you know, I guess, what does it mean to have good internet? I would say that part of the issue our shop had was the internet itself was good, but our network was bad. The system or setup we had in the building for our network wasn't so hot and that would cause some issues. Even if you listen to some of the podcasts or town hall academies I was on with CARM, like my internet would cut out. It was very, very frustrating, even though you could speed test it and it would be, you know, at the time, 60 meg or 100 meg or 50 meg, something like that more than enough to do that now we're probably close to i think we're at like two gigs and i redid our entire network so we i mean that just for a reference we're using something called ubiquity and that's the reason i went with it is because i found out that that's like what a lot of schools use a lot of large businesses hospitals stuff like that rely on that for setting up the you know that even has a secure gateway and then power over Ethernet switch, which is nice for setting up access points, where which are like little antennas that look like flying saucers that mount throughout the the shop. So we all we have very good 
Wi-Fi coverage throughout the shop. And then I have spots specific for Ethernet to connect mainly for, it's probably really for like BMW. Honestly, when it comes down to it, it's BMW. But like I said earlier, if our internet goes down for whatever reason, it's almost to the point where it's tempting to just shut down, just lock the doors. You might as well turn the lights off. You might as well. It's that level of handicap because I mean, all our parts catalogs done. We can't look up part. I mean, we can order parts over the phone and drastically slow down that way. Our shop management system does rely on internet, not as heavily as some of the others. It's not cloud-based, but, and then service information is gone. We're done. We are done. It is not to keep dragging this out, but it's rare. It has happened. It's very rare that we lose everything in that business internet goes down. And then one of our, like our cell phones. So our shop is situated in, it used to be a clay pit. So there's a company, very, very old. We had Red Wing Pottery. That was very, very common. We also had Red Wing Pipe Works. And our shop, amongst many others, is set up in the clay pit itself, sitting on top of those ovens that they made the pipes in, those big clay pipes. And so not to name drop, but whatever, Verizon, we get it, cellular coverage, no problem. Everything else, I mean, it doesn't matter what, T-Mobile, AT&T, they don't have nothing. So I have to set up a separate kind of a mini cell tower, if you will, off of our internet for others to be able to connect and get Wi-Fi and or cellular service. Now with calls over Wi-Fi, that's, we don't even need it anymore. But a while ago, when I set it up, that was the only way. It's mind boggling. And then like the loggings and stuff that you're talking about. We want to have access to these high-tech vehicles, right? Like there's a lot of stuff going on with these vehicles beyond how the car runs and beyond. And not even now, now, just now and into the future where the cars are going to be connected. That's coming. The cars are going to be connected to the internet and to each other. They're going to be talking. We want access to that. We want to be able to do what we need to do to keep the cars working and not have to go back to the dealer. Well, there's a price to be paid for that. And that means we're assuming a little bit of liability, which means there's going to be a couple of hoops to jump through. I want to be able to program keys. I went and got my VSP. It allows me to do that. Some of these tools don't require the VSP, but the idea is if I have a VSP and I'm using it, I'm probably going to use it in a very honest fashion, but that's not everybody. And that's where the lockdown needs to occur. It's like, okay, you need to somehow be identifiable of what you're doing with this and that if the cars are being stolen, it isn't through any auto repair shop or dealership. Yeah. Being able to know who the person is pushing the buttons is certainly the idea behind it right now. I guess the thought of seeing some of the responses to this login being required, some of the people being upset about it certainly makes me question what they're doing. (laughs) Not only what they're doing, but I guess the situations that they're putting themselves in, because obviously I hope and doubt that they're the ones stealing the car if a car is being stolen. But it certainly seems like there's some sketchy situations where they're like, you know, I don't know if I should be doing this. And that's going to be the time that they're going to be concerned about logging in. And I guess my response to that is if you're sketched out about doing something, then the 150 bucks or whatever you're going to make off it isn't worth doing it. I mean, I certainly charge enough to where I make decent money on every call. And there's still times that I've gotten calls on stuff and I get there and I'm like, I don't really like where this is going. The last one was Chrysler 300 that was towed to a shop. Now, the shop knew the person that owned the car and I was still sketched out about it. It was one of their customers, but it got towed there. The keys were lost from the time that it was towed from the person's house to the shop by the tow truck driver. They acquired keys for the car that were reman keys. Nobody knew where they came from. Nobody knew if the customer got them or the tow truck driver got them. The customer couldn't be reached. The car was at this shop. And I'm like, I get there and I hear the whole spiel and I'm like, I'm not even going to attempt this. And finally, I talked to the customer and kind of figured out that it was legit. But until I had talked to the customer, I just didn't want anything to do with it. So I just had said no. And then once I talked to the customer, that was when I went back and attempted. But like, why put yourself in a situation if you can't talk directly to the owner of the car or something and you're sketched out, just walk away from the car. Yeah. I like the convenience of some of the tools to be able to 
whether it's adding a key or all keys lost, whatever, that because I have this piece of equipment, it allows me functionality of bypassing certain secure functions like 10-minute logins or in some cases requiring me to get a PIN code from presumably the manufacturer to allow me to log in and add the key or add keys or I suppose even technically like parameter resets or whatever, although that's a really Fordish term. I appreciate that. And if I want to be able to maintain that, that I have to kind of be married to the tool. I guess that doesn't really bother me. And then if it gets stolen, whoever gets it, they're not going to be able to do anything with it. Just like my cell phone or my laptop. And I think like I brought up the customer data thing. That wasn't even something that was considered or talked about in the meetings of when all this was going on of the, if they're using the tool for internet access, for example, my Autel, I use Shopware. So cloud-based for me. And if I do a system scan with the Autel or I screenshot data or something like that, I log in to Shopware and then upload it. My Shopware login is saved in the tool. So the fact that there's no lock on a tool, realistically, somebody could log into or somebody could just take the tool, turn the tool on, swipe, open it, unlock it, go to Shopware, I guess. And then because my login is auto-saved in it, realistically could go in and take any customer data that's there. Now, granted, for me, it's nothing. It's shops. So it's a shop's phone number and their address. So it's not a big deal for me because it's a business that their information is already out there. But if you have, you know, if you're a repair shop and that gets taken or you're, I'll say locksmith, because locksmith, most of the time, those guys are dealing directly with a customer. Their personal information may be in it, cell phone numbers, addresses, car VIN numbers of what they have, you know, more or less everything you could potentially need to go get a key cut, depending, I guess, on what they ask for. But you could certainly take their address and VIN number and make a fake registration card for it and go and get a VIN cut from that information. So kind of interesting, I guess, to think about. And God forbid somebody's be saving credit card information or something in a shop management system. Hopefully not. Yeah. Like you said, you're not supposed to store key codes. PIN codes, you know, we're getting to the point where the PIN codes are revolving or whatever. But the older ones, man, you shouldn't be saving them either because if that were ever to get stolen or hacked, people can... It would be so easy for them to cut a key and then with various tools and not even tools like mainstream autels or launch top duns x tools like the heavy hitters that were most of us are familiar with there's so many others out there that are flying under the radar that they could just go and you know cut that key do an all keys lost and they drive the car away and you're partially responsible because while I would never imply that is your fault that somebody stole from you but it's a little bit of irresponsibility on our part by storing such information like you said same with the credit cards like allowing people access to that even if they gained access from a very uh illegal means but it's interesting to think about i mean i don't want to be like a tin hat wearing saying that people are going to do it but think about i guess if you're a shop that works on high-end stuff if you're working on cars over a hundred thousand dollars All the registration is on the dash. You could certainly scan a registration and log into, you know, have somebody's tool, find out, okay, yeah, this customer they have, you're going through their customer list. What kind of cars do they have now that you have their tool? This guy's got a Lamborghini or this guy's got a BMW M series, whatever. And to go and be able to say, okay, all I need to be able to get a key is the car's registration and a license or most of the time they don't even ask for a license i would say at a lot of dealers so you show up with a registration that you scanned and then you just put the customer's information in it i mean anybody can do it with paint you don't even have to be good with photoshop you could literally change that with paint and you have their addresses the car's vin number everything you need to make a registration more or less so like just kind of i guess interesting to think about not only the ability to steal a tool and be able to then take a car but the ability to really gain access to anything else you need so it is shocking to think about that for years the tools have been unlocked so i definitely think it's a step in the right direction and hopefully whether they require so the idea is that eventually they'll require a NASDAQ login or something like that to do a security function. But the Autel thing right now is just 
you're logging in with your Autel ID and creating, I think, a pin code on your lock screen, just like on your phone. So just simple things could prevent having to, I guess, have that issue, have a tool stolen. For 98 years, the Napa name has meant quality parts and service. It also reflects top quality training programs to help you build a more successful vehicle repair business. No doubt, the technician shortage is impacting everyone, but you're not facing this battle alone. Napa has the solution by making Napa Auto Tech training available near you. Napa Auto Tech provides automotive aftermarket technicians career development opportunities through structured, disciplined, measured, and high-quality technical instruction, no matter the technician or service advisor's skill level. This instruction enhances understanding of vehicle systems, increases first-time repair capability, and overall customer satisfaction. It also prepares technicians to become ASE certified. It's a fact. Technicians who receive training to improve their knowledge and skills have a higher sense of job satisfaction. This reduces technician turnover and increases productivity, directly improving a shop's profitability. It is vital to the success of a shop's business that today's technicians are equipped to diagnose and repair today's complex vehicles. With our ever-changing technology, the technician's knowledge and skills need to be updated and refreshed on a regular basis. As you labor over the decision of whether to send your techs to get their skills sharpened, keep in mind, Napa Auto Tech Training is an investment, not an expense, and it's available to all. Much of Napa Auto Tech's training is offered in more than one format to accommodate varieties of learning styles and training preferences so each person can maximize their learning. Whether you're more of a hands-on person or enjoy learning at your own pace, Napa Auto Tech is here to provide you with the training you need in the format that works best for you. To learn more about what Napa Auto Tech offers, contact NapaAutoTech.com. Everybody's house probably has locks on the doors. The probabilities of your house getting broken into, depending on where you live, is relatively low. But you still lock the door. You know, I might even argue you shouldn't have to, but we do. There's certain probabilities that are very, very minuscule that somebody's going to steal the data your shop possesses. But there's people out there stealing shop information for the exact reasons we're talking about. More likely credit cards, but also a means to be able to easily steal cars. Again, it's minuscule, but it's still possible. And the buffer or whatever, the stacking the odds in your favor is just some responsibility. And I don't, I just find this reasonable to have the tools kind of on lockdown. And then if they could make it easier for the shops when they need to, you know, an employee leaves, if you got the uh, keypads to get into the shop, you probably have to change all those. And same with the scan tools in that somebody leaves. All right, we got to change the code and it's going to have, you know, try to be as random as you can. Don't make it your kid's birthday. <laughs> yeah. That are posted on Facebook. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah. And I guess knowing back to kind of the internet thing, knowing that like this is coming regardless, it's not people are upset right now because it's Autel, but it's not going to just be Autel. Eventually everybody's going to do this, whether it be a login screen, some type of online login, you're going to have to have it. And especially if you want to do programming, you're going to have to have internet access. If you want somebody to do the programming for you, whether it be via remote expert or via Aztec device or Autologic device or anything like that, you still have to have internet access. And if you're concerned with your guys being able to log in out in the driveway, well, then have them take their hotspot with them. If you don't have good enough cell reception in the parking lot, which I do have several shops that are like that, well, then they're going to have to have internet that reaches out there. I have a Ford dealer where I'm actually building my house. I'm going to have to get a cell phone extender. So that's another thing I guess you could do is if you have terrible cell service, you can get a cell phone extender. Seem to be anywhere from 200 to like 1800, depending on what you want and how strong of a device you want. But the shop that I have where I'm building, they say it's a Ford dealer. There's no cell service, at least if you're on Verizon. If you have T-Mobile up there, there's better service, but uh, no AT&T either. And they have to have outside internet because they have the shop, they have the sales room, and they have a collision shop behind it. And all of them have to have internet. So they have three different Wi-Fi access points to log into. So when I'm there doing programming, I have to be logged into their internet because there's not good enough internet to program over. So I guess if what I'm getting at is if you're a shop that's concerned with this, there's things that are out there to help you. And I guess don't 
fight it because one way or another you're going to have it and then the other ones would be the locksmiths that seem to be kind of upset about it and brought up well what if i'm in a parking garage or something like that you can log into the tool before you get into the parking lot but i have a lot of questions i guess you know what are you going to do with a secure gateway vehicle unless you're going to pull the radio out of it while your customer's standing there and plug this thing into it versus just logging into auto auth that's fifty dollars a year and do it that way yeah, I upgraded to the big time. But in knowing, too, that I guess those same guys that are like, I've never had to be connected. Are you still like for the specifically, I guess, the locksmiths that were bringing that up? Like, are you still handwriting invoices while you're there with the customer? Like, obviously not looking up a key code while you're there either. So I don't know. Yeah, there's so much you need the Internet for. I mean, just even like if you're going to read a um, said ID 46 on like GM to clone a key. The device has to be on the internet. That's just the first one that pops into my head. Like, I just don't know. No. And that's what I'm wondering to myself is, you know, so at any rate, if you're one of those guys that's like really upset about it, specifically because of the internet thing, there's a lot of other things, I guess, that I have questions about. Have you not been doing? Have you not been working on newer vehicles? And if that's the case, you know, just know that most new things password calculations and i guess my other thought too with it is one of the things that came up when it was talked about is what will be required of the login or why will it be required and will things be removed from the tools and that's all completely up to the aftermarket scan tool company and the oem company of how they make the agreement but knowing that realistically after 2015 like aftermarket immobilizer tools, I guess I want to say kind of don't work. Look at Ford with very few things do does the Autel IM series work on a Ford after 2015. Uh, Most of the newer GM stuff, same thing. All the new Nissan stuff that's like 20, you want to say like 2018, 2019 and newer, some of those it doesn't work on. So knowing that, like you're going to have to use a factory scan tool for something. There's certain ones that just haven't been figured out. So are you going to not do those because you're, I guess, well, first you got to have an SF ID to do it. Well, not GM. I mean, GM still doesn't ask you for any login all the way up to like 2022. But if you can't do it with an Autel tool on a newer vehicle, are you just not going to do it? Like you can log into TLC, pay your $45 and fix the car so long as you're connected to internet. So I don't know. I guess I have a lot of questions of the guys that are concerned strictly because of the need for internet it's a good question knowing that i have several shops that are in the mountains that like are in the middle of nowhere but it really makes me think to if you're a shop working with very very little internet and your guys can't get service information to pull up and you're still handwriting invoices and stuff this is going to be the least of your worries i guess i would say is everything else kind of shakes out so instead of fighting it reach out and see what people can do to help you with figuring out internet figuring out i don't know different things that are out there i even think all the way down to so i literally just set this up last week depending on what you're doing for phones i have two cell phones right now for the business i'm getting rid of one of them because i'm switching to a VoIP provider, voice over internet, because I can set up an answering service. And now I feel like a moron because I've had the second phone in line for two years or three years or something. It's legitimately a quarter of the price for me to have a VoIP phone system with an answering service. And I don't have an answering service right now on because it's a regular cell phone line. So like now you have to have internet to have that. But if you're paying I guess, well, I'll just throw a number out there, even though obviously it's going to be different for somebody. It's like $400 right now for what I wanted for the year. Like, I got to think most people are paying more for that now for a phone system. So at any rate, if you have good internet at your shop, you can have access to things like that. And if you're not taking advantage of that, knowing that something as simple as that could save you money, but yes, you have to have internet for it. I don't know. I guess like a shop has to be connected at this point. Like it can't not be connected. You've got to have good internet. The tools have to be connected to internet. Hopefully you're Guys have access to internet to have service information. If you are using these or something for service information, I don't even know, I guess, how to help you at this point. Yeah. And not only internet reaching the building, but you got to have a way to spread it throughout the shop. Some people, it works out well. They, you know, mount whatever router centrally and it works just fine or even just 
up in the office and it just seems to reach around the shop. Our shop was not that way whatsoever. That was maybe a repercussion of the compartmentalized nature of it that we kind of have rooms, if you will, and that had double. That's what I was going to say, metal on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a series of double sheet metal walls between the office, which is close to the street, which is where the internet would, you know, the cable would come in. Uh, so ours is cable. I think a lot of it now is getting switched over or being offered to everyone is um, through the phone lines or better yet, fiber optic. And they're getting some crazy good speeds. And that, depending on your shop and its layout, you may have to kind of look at a way to, you know, you're going to have whatever coming into a modem. So the phone line or the cable is going to go into a modem. Some of the modems have kind of a Wi-Fi router. But you might be better off to start daisy chaining or creating network switch with some other routers that would act more like access points that you can spread throughout the shop. So you have good, strong Wi-Fi throughout the building and outside, like, right? Because that's the other thing is a lot of the stuff we're using for like the service advisors to be able to go outside and take down vehicle information, do a walk around of the vehicle, maybe even take the job in with the customer standing next to the car in front of the shop. Got to have Wi-Fi out there. So you may have to look at a even an outdoor access point or antenna, if you will. So that's important too. Like you can have crazy good internet coming in, going to a router, and usually the routers provided by the companies aren't the greatest and they don't like to get loaded down. So even though they have four ports on the back, you hook up four things and it seems like you're burning through modems slash routers a couple times a year or more. Part of the reason is because they're really not built for that. You should have the one line, you know, one Cat5 cable leaving that modem going to probably a network switch of some sort. So that handles the load. All the modems got to do is send it from if the street, if you will, to that switch. And then you can distribute it however you like from there either Wi-Fi or hardwire. I have all our PCs hardwired. It makes a big difference for um, the service advisors and computers in office. You know, the boss's computer, my computer, a couple of the computers in the back I have hardwired because it's just it's vastly superior. And knowing with Remote Expert, when we were working through it, I guess when it was very first being implemented, again, this is specifically to Autel because we were talking about it, but when that was first going out and we were, the guys that beta tested that for everyone listening in the beginning, uh, we had it set up over Wi-Fi and we were trying to figure out, could we do it? Are we going to brick somebody's car? Then we switched it to Ethernet and the idea was that all the shops would be required to connect the tool to Ethernet because we were concerned with latency because with Wi-Fi, one minute it can be great and the next minute it's not and all of a sudden you have a spike in latency and now the car drops off and you brick the car. But they ran into an issue where virtually no shops knew where their router was, had a router that was within a reachable distance for Ethernet cables. So like Matt. Yeah, covered under two inches of dirt and dust and grime. Being able to be hardwired is a big thing of, you know, a lot of guys thought to put air hoses on the lifts and put outlets on the lift arm. Well, you know, in today's shop, it's also a pretty good idea to have a network connection on the lift so that if somebody's programming a car and they want to hardwire to internet or you're having a remote expert do it, even though it can be done over Wi-Fi now, it's a really good idea to hardwire that, especially like you were saying with BMW and particular. Now, a lot of obviously uh, Seth and Justin shops know that and know that the car has to be hardwired, but guys that don't work on them normally may not know that and don't realize you know that it's a big deal. And certainly too, if you're one of these people that was concerned with internet or thinking you don't have great internet, then I wouldn't want to be programming anything. Some of them are better than others. GM downloads at first to your laptop, obviously, and then to the car, but still it's just I don't know. Yeah, Fords tend to do like blocks. So if you kind of have an issue with one block, it'll redo it, can kind of bail you out. Chrysler, somewhat similar. And most of them are pretty good about it not. But then if you're using like the remote expert service or you're using Autologic or anything, I mean, you're hoping that it comes over the internet correctly and that 
without latency and doesn't corrupt any files. So if you have bad internet, I guess that's in my mind, the guys that were saying they don't have good internet aren't doing programming. So they're relying on something like that. Now, maybe they're still kicking every card of the dealer to get programmed, but at some point they're going to want to either have somebody do it for them, I guess is probably what they're going to do. And at that point, you've got to have good internet. Like that just doesn't work if you don't. And the person on the other end can see the latency. So if all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, my internet's fine, just try it. We can see on the other end what the latency is. So if the latency is terrible, not going to be able to do it. I mean, I think the most nerve wracking thing using being an expert on the end with the factory software is you're programming something and the person doesn't have good internet and you're watching the latency and it's just increasing and increasing and increasing. And you're like, I'm screwed. This is going to brick right now. <laughs> like, or you see it spike and you're like, yeah, we're all done. Like just waiting for the person on the phone to go, uh, everything just went dark. And you're like, yeah. Similar issues with top done latency issues and how you could watch it change. And if you're watching it while programming, just start freaking out a little bit because what happens if she goes, and it's really sweating it. Some of it was early on, kind of on top Don's end, but they've really taken care of a lot of that. Uh, now it's, yeah, it's down to the individual shop. What do they got? And if you're using USB share or you're using, or Autel's doing it or Aztec's doing it or AirPro's doing it, it doesn't matter who's doing it. If, if your shop internet is terrible, that's not even like possibility for you to ever be able to do that. Yeah. If you or your techs, or anybody, it shouldn't be just text. You or anybody in the shop's cell phone downloads faster than the shop internet, that's a problem. If, if 4G or 5G is faster, that's a problem. And it could be what you're paying for. It could be the type you're getting, because there might be still some line of sight stuff out there. I'm not sure. But I thought they were getting halfway as decent speeds. Even if you're in the middle of nowhere, I mean, Justin Morgan is a good example. So Justin and I live locally and or live local to each other. And where we live, some places have great internet, some places don't. He does not have good internet at his house. So he has a Starlink and he is team viewed in programming BMWs all day and taking hotline calls all day and is constantly into somebody's computer somewhere in the world via Starlink all day. He is fixing BMWs that have crashed over Starlink internet. So if you're in the middle of nowhere, there's not even like a, I guess, excuse at this point for your shop to not have internet. Just knowing that that's out there. And I get that like price of stuff, but that's certainly a cost of doing business thing. And if you're somebody that's looking at new shops, that's certainly something to take into consideration. I mean, I had to make sure we're building our house currently. The new house is on the top of the mountain and my wife works from home. She works for a law firm and knowing that she had to work from home and have internet access, we had to make sure that even at the top of the mountain that we would have something and there's cable internet there. So I would say very few places have... I guess I'd say at this point, no place has, you know, there's not any place you're going to be that doesn't have any option because of Starlink being available at this point. Just popped in my head too. If there's concerns about security, most systems, if you set them up with what we're talking about with like, most likely you're going to have to use the modem from the provider, the ISP. After that, you can put whatever you need in place. And I already said what we use, but there's so many options out there. I think I would probably urge people to go with managed systems, some managed network switches. The other thing is most of them allow you to set up multiple internet. Then that addresses is probably not the right word. Multiple networks, I guess that's the right way. That would be the best way to set it up. Say it is you can set up multiple networks and I'm not talking about like 2.4 and like stuff like that. I'm talking about you can have the shop internet and then you could have customer internet. And while they'll have different network name and password, or you could make it open if you wanted, there's really no back and forth between any of them. They, they can't go through that to get through to the other stuff. So if there's a fear of that, you can set things up where you have a kind of a customer network, the network maybe for if you have mobile guys coming in or locksmiths that they can quickly access and they know the password. And it doesn't have anything to do with the shop's internet. Like they won't be able to get involved in that. I think that's, it just kind of popped in my head if there's any hesitancy 
so we have the regular shop Wi-Fi, and then we also have the uh, customer Wi-Fi. Yeah, any place you go that's got like you walk into a coffee shop and it has the guest network or their guest thing. The dealer that I was talking about, they have a customer internet that works at the front of the building and then the back of the building only works with the shop's internet. So I have, when I first started going there, I was trying to log into the guest internet because that was open. And then I realized that it had terrible service in the back of the shop. So now when I go there, luckily on my phone, I have them all saved. So I go there, the phone immediately connects to it and my laptop immediately connects to it. So it's not a big deal anymore. Kind of nice. There's a nice breakfast place across from it. And on the weekends, like there's no service in this town. And I go up there for breakfast sometimes. And if it wasn't for me having that shop as a client, I would have no internet while I sat and waited for my breakfast. But their internet reaches the breakfast spot across the road. (laughs) So that works out good. So another reason to have good internet. If you have breakfast joint across from you, maybe their patrons can use your internet. (laughs) Right? That's a good good advertising but yeah so at any rate i guess the reason behind this is just if you are a shop that is concerned about simply that aspect or you are a locksmith that is concerned about that uh, there are a lot of other issues i guess i would say at this point that are going to come your way if internet is a problem so definitely sort that out listen to what matt and i talked about you know figure out if you're a shop or you're a you know brick and mortar figure out what's available for internet. If you don't have anything, look into Starlink. That's going to work for, I would assume, I don't know a ton about it, but I would assume anybody that doesn't have another option. If you're somebody that's mobile like me, I go on and look at the coverage maps. That's why I have T-Mobile and I have Verizon. I know what works where, and I'm pretty much going to switch to just T-Mobile because Verizon, basically at this point, everywhere around me, T-Mobile has better coverage. So And I know that now from having both of them, but looking at the coverage maps, you can get an idea of if there's going to be someplace in your territory that you don't have coverage, or if you have a phone currently and you're using, you know, "Ah, if I go west over here, I don't have coverage. Well, look and see if there's a carrier in your area that's got better coverage for your territory. There might be somebody that does have 5G coverage for everywhere you go. At this point, you're going to have to have it regardless. So if you're concerned with internet right now, I would say now's the time to start figuring out what you got to do to make the change to make sure that you have internet everywhere. And I guess I would have thought that like during COVID when everybody's kids had to be online, that that's when you would have figured it out. But three years later, here we are. Yeah, it's crazy. And a hundred percent of the people listening to this probably have internet and internet in there. So we're, we're not hitting the target audience. <laughs> well, I say that the ones that were complaining, were all complaining on Facebook. So they <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe just maybe they don't really grasp all of it. I know so many people and even just like, I guess I'll pick on my kids. Like I am not sure they quite understand the difference between like internet, Wi-Fi, cellular, like they really don't understand the difference between it all. And so I suppose it's not unreasonable for there to be many out there that don't as well and assume the internet is kind of this all-encompassing thing, like buy a new tablet and they're trying to stand in outside trying to get on the internet and they can't and not understanding why their tablet doesn't what their phone does and not really grasping cellular versus Wi-Fi versus internet versus network. So I suppose that's possible. It's kind of crazy to think in this day and age, but I suppose it's very possible. If you're using a scan tool, God, I hope not. <laughs> but anything's <laughs> possible. Hopefully this has helped somebody and we haven't upset everyone. But <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like we said earlier, I think it's just going to have to get used to it. And in my mind, it's kind of a small price to pay to get either just logging in using your account that you have with the tool in question or on top of that, also having credentials that you are who you say you are and, you know, you got coverage, insurance coverage, stuff like that. Like the VSP stuff's already set up and, you know, NASDAQ doesn't really make the rules, but they kind of end up being that liaison and it lets me do what I need to do with minimal headaches, which I know I just said NASDAQ and headaches in the same sentence. And some people have had some major headaches. I get it. But I want to be able to get this stuff, get my credentials, pay my money, and have this stuff work. That's what I want. You know, tell me what I need to do. I'll do it. Tell me what 
to pay my money, where to pay it, how to pay it. And then I want to be able to do what I need to do and just have it freaking work. And that's what we should be fighting for. And because we have to sympathize, they need to lock stuff down. Yeah, there has to be something. Knowing what we do about data. And again, it, it came up for the sake of trying to prevent tools from being stolen and cars from being stolen. But looking at the rest of the data, I guess, I mean, customer data and security is such a strange thing that I guess I feel like a lot of people don't think about. Obviously, some people might not be using their tablet for that. And I get that, but there's a lot of people that are. When we get to really connected cars that they're interacting with each other wirelessly, somebody is going to want to mess with that stuff. If only for self-entertainment, let, just let, let's not let them do it through us. They can do it all on their own and we just do what we need to do to eliminate that from our scope of what we're doing or any anything that we're involved with they can't trace back to us all we need is a tiktok video showing somebody stealing a car with a autel scan tool and we'll have another hyundai kia thing on our hands and i guess like even that's something i will quick bring up is looking at technology and how things can spiral out of control a video goes viral everybody realizes these cars don't have immobilizers and realize that it's very easy to remove the lock cylinder and then start the car when all the kids are like, I can do it with a USB charger, not realizing that the rest of us are like, yeah, it could be done with a pair of pliers. But at any rate, like something like that goes viral and all of a sudden those cars are uninsurable. That's the newest outcome of it. Like imagine having one of those cars and being told either A, your rate's going to, I heard some people say it was like three or four times what their like rate was that it went up. Now that was, I don't own one. So I'm going off of what I saw people complaining about afterwards via the internet. But imagine either A, you own one and your rate went up to an unaffordable price. Now you got to get rid of it. The car's not worth anything because nobody can insure it. And they've came out publicly and said, we're not going to insure these cars. And I guess I'm kind of curious to see what Hyundai Kia do. I mean, you and I know what it would take to put an immobilizer system on that car, retrofit it. So the likelihood that that will happen isn't good. So all it would take is somebody to come out and go, look, I can steal a Chrysler in five seconds with this tool. And all of a sudden, now the tools are super sought after and the cars are really sought after. And all of a sudden, those cars have become uninsurable. And then I look at it from, I guess, long term is we know that the tools are not made here. So if something gets bad enough, I suppose probably some governing body in the U.S. could say, yeah, we can't have this happening and we can't have the tools here. I mean, I don't know what that would take or look like, but I would assume that that could potentially happen. So if something went viral like this has, and people are like, oh, that's a big what if. I'm like, everybody thought it was a big what if for insurance companies to say they're not going to insure all of these cars suddenly. So I mean, things like that could happen. And the reality is, is you could steal several cars with that tool in less time and less effort than what it took for the Hyundai Kias. I mean, that's the reality of it. So I do have a very rough time accepting or supporting things that make people liable, like making a Hyundai Kia liable that their cars are so easy to steal. No, you have to do a few things to steal them. And all of that's illegal anyways, but they're responsible because they made it too easy. It's like they're going to be assigned a certain percentage of liability for having their purse stolen out of their car because they didn't lock the door like no somebody had to go in there and take something that wasn't theirs so i mean i do have i have a really rough time with that which maybe sounds like a contradiction to being on board with signing up using a vsp or whatever but this is the world we live in you know i have to minimize my liability or the shop's liability, our liability. And on top of all of it is I just want to be able to access what I need to access to fix the car. I don't want to get to the point where it's like, well, no, 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 that system, we can't really do anything with that. That would be horrible. Exactly. And I guess the other thing is to make sure that it stays streamlined and stays easy is people have to provide input as this, like I was saying, we're going to see it roll out on more tools. Autel always has been as the first person to say, okay, let's do it. Let's whatever they want to do. They're going to try to beat everybody to the punch. They always have. So if it goes, it gets rolled out to launch or top down or whatever, 
it's going to take time to figure out what that looks like, how it's going to work. Like I brought up the Chrysler auto auth thing. I'm interested to see how that works. That was something I brought up in the meetings about it is what does that look like? How do we make it work so there's not multiple logins? And that has to be figured out as ever. All of this is early stage right now. So provide feedback. Don't just say this sucks. I'm not doing it. You know, provide feedback. What are your thoughts? What is could the buttonology be better? Could the flow be better? Should would you prefer instead of when you see the security? If they're going to do a login for only a security related function, does that become more of a pain than just logging in in the beginning? Because all of a sudden it trips you up and you maybe are at that point where like the guy that brought the parking garage that maybe it's easier for you to log in in the very beginning because you can log in before you get yourself into somewhere where maybe you don't have self-service or whatever. So thinking through what that workflow is, and if you're a user and you see that there's something that you don't like, reach out to them and say, hey, could it be changed and set up this way? Could the buttonology be changed? Could the login timing be changed? Things like that. Don't just say that it sucks and I guess complain about it. Try to help make sure that the solution stays streamlined. I agree. Totally agree. Well, thanks for listening to us, everybody. Listening to us ramble. Thank you for coming on. Of course. Bringing this to light. Very, very much appreciate it. Hopefully I can have you on again. I got another idea, so we'll do another one. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Nap Autotech, for sponsoring. And thank you to the Aftermarket Radio Network, including Tracy for making this all possible. If you have any uh, ideas or comments about the show, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can email me at mattfonzelpodcast at gmail.com or I'm fairly easy to find on social media or you can just call Tanner. And until then, take care. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.